0: Hello, I am Bob Mooney. I am a Bible teacher in the local body of Christ, and I have been an interim pastor of a home church for a number of years. I hope you find these Bible lessons a blessing and of practical value. This is our fourth and final lesson in studying Psalm 139. Today we'll look at verses 19 through 24. It'll be our last strophe. But first, I'd like to look back at Lesson 3, and in it we saw that it was easy for us to get focused on the wrong things in life, to get focused on the circumstances of our physical health and work and relationships. Not that we shouldn't see and deal with these things, for we do live in a practical world. But too often we look at the circumstances and not enough on the one who controls them. As I've said before, focusing on God and not the circumstances is simply a learned behavior. We have to learn to do it. And why wouldn't we? He's the great creator who knows us, every ache and pain and character flaw, or every thought we ever had or ever will have. He sees the much larger picture of our life. He knows every hurt we ever experienced and what or who caused it. He knows every hurt we caused, And perhaps more importantly, he knows how to lead, shepherd, and guide us to sanctification, to healing, and victory through the shed blood of his son. David's focus here is not on David or his problems, although he did have many. The focus here is on God. His focus is on him and not what is his. Well, let's continue our study by looking at the fourth strophe, verses 19 through 24. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them mine enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Well, let's look at verses 19 through 22. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Well, these four verses mark an abrupt change as David turns from his intimacy to God's enemies. Since God knows all, he knows all about David's enemies as well. David's commitment to hate God's enemies is not to hate sinners, but his actions are against those who revile God's name. Their actions put them in harm's way and in danger, and David wanted to separate from them. And we have to realize that the word hate here in Hebrew is not an emotional feeling, but it's a covenantal relationship choice. And by that, I mean, the idea is we have to be careful on whom we decide to have a close relationship with the bible knowledge commentary puts it this way to hate someone meant to reject him and disavow any loving association with him it's not hate in the sense that we see it today of an emotional despisal of someone it was it was the idea that we the david needed to be careful on who he had a relationship with a pastor friend of mine used the expression one time i thought was very apt You have to be careful who you have a relationship with. He didn't want to sail through anyone else's storms. And by that, he simply meant that, hey, listen, if you want to live your life in disobedience to God, don't drag me down with you. We have to be careful whom we seek advice from, who we partner with in business. And for those single folks out there, be very careful who you date and who you look for in a mate. Make sure that the people we deal with, by choice, are godly people. Well, let's look at verses 23 and 24 as we end this study. And to me, the next two verses are very significant. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I believe these two last verses sum up the whole psalm itself. As we saw in the first verse, search is primarily used to express searching the earth by boring or digging, mining, if you will, as for water or minerals. It means to search accurately and closely. It's like a probing, intimate examination by a doctor. I think we've all been there, especially as we age and realize that in order to find out the physical problems, sometimes there's a lot of testing and probing that's involved in it the word test here is the one very similar to the one used in the new testament it means to essay as goal to test something to find its value we don't want to make the mistake here of thinking that god is tempting us with anything because he will not do that very clear in the new testament the word test here is to search accurately Back in the Old West, they had essay offices set up throughout the West as gold was, was discovered in certain parts of the country. And a miner would bring an ore sample to his office. And using chemical testing, the assayer would determine approximately how much gold could be taken from a certain amount of ore. It was a ratio. If you dug up so many tons of ore, you could expect a certain amount of yield of gold or silver or lead. The idea was that a miner would not take a sample of ore unless he expected to find something in it. These tests are the same way. God expects to find the gold in our lives. He expects to find a good essay in the process. He doesn't test us to harm us He doesn't test us because he doesn't love us. He doesn't test us to be mean. He tests us because he loves us. And he already knows the outcome. He already knows the gold that's inside our hearts. He tests us so that we'll see what all he's done in our lives. David goes on to say, see if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's any painful, grieving way. Offensive way can also refer to any kind of idolatry in our lives. Here, David invites God to come and examine his heart, not just in what he does, but what he thinks, what his purposes are, what occupies his imagination and his memory, what are are his affections and what controls his will. This is a very intimate and serious invitation. We need to realize this is a very costly request and count the cost of it before we make such a request of God. Well, up to this point in this psalm, we've seen evidence that God is all-knowing. In verse 1, we saw that David wrote, You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. He knows all our ways and all our motives. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And we saw that we are pursued by God. There's nowhere we can go from the depths of the earth, the depths of our own souls to the heavenlies, that he is not already there with us. His hand will continue to guide us. And we saw that we are fashioned by God. And he saw our our unformed body. We are fearfully and wonderfully made because he fashioned us. He created us, not for our pleasure, but for His. In the first section of this psalm, David already stated that God searched him and knew him. So why this invitation to search him? Why test him? Here is yet another submissive invitation for God to search and test him. The test is not to reveal anything to God, for for He already knows David. The test here is to reveal David, to david the essay results in essence here david is inviting god to look into his heart and soul and remove all the obstacles that would interfere with the intimate relationship that he desires to have with the lord only then can david be led by into a deeper relationship with him and the same is true for us only a person who is either crazy or sincere will pray Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God is true to his word. He will test. He will essay our hearts. Even if that means he has to crush the ore, the self in us, to expose the gold, the character of Christ. It can be a difficult and sometimes painful process. David is saying here, Search me, God. Dig and bore into me, and know my heart. Test me, crush me, break me, and know my doubts and my misgivings. See if there are any painful, grieving ways in me. See if there are any idols in my life that need to be removed. Take me by your right hand, hold it tightly, and lead me closer to your heart. I like the way the preacher's commentary puts all this and they write this is intimacy that God wants to have with us he formed us in the womb he knows our frame he sees our embryo he fashions our days he knows our thoughts he hears our words he knows when we sit down and when we stand up he protects us His hand is upon us. He who inhabits all things is near to us. We cannot escape his presence. In the light he sees us. In the dark he sees us. We are the continual object of his thoughts. He searches us. He changes us. Here is true intimacy. And if we can allow God to become intimate with us, we can establish a growing intimacy with each other. Secure in His presence and in His love, we can risk opening up. We can even risk rejection because we are held in His hand. God knows all. He sees all. He wants to heal not only our offensive ways, our sin, our stubbornness, and our rebellion, but also he wants to heal our hearts, our pains and our bodies, our pains and our souls and our spirits. We need to get to the point where we can sincerely say, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. But we must also be prepared to accept the fact that he will certainly search and test And often that can be painful, but just like the life-saving medical operation, it can save our life and bring much-needed healing, and most of all, a deeper relationship with the Father. I hope you have been blessed by this message. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at rmooney at carolina.rr.com. And thank you for listening.